Welcome to the Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle, episode number 10. As always, you can reach us at the Drum Shuffle podcast at gmail.com. Our web address is thedrumshuffle.com. You can find me at jamieeds.com. want to thank everybody for continuing to, to reach out to us. We have an absolutely fantastic episode today. We have Aaron Comess from the Spin Doctors, Joan Osborne, you name it, folks. He's played with them. Uh, we're going to be talking to Aaron here in just a second, so please stay tuned. Lost Cabos Drumsticks may be the best-kept secret from drummers today. Lost Cabos Drumsticks makes the finest tools to touch a drummer's hands in the business. The best news, almost every popular stick size is available in both white hickory and red hickory. If you don't know what red hickory is, it's made from the heartwood of the hickory tree, unlike regular white hickory, which is made from sapwood. Red hickory drumsticks will hold up to even the hardest-hitting drummers. Their durability comes from the density of the wood, but they do not sacrifice the feel. Please visit LosCabosDrumsticks.com to learn more about their products. And don't forget to ask at your favorite retailer for Los Cabos Drumsticks. All right, guys, our guest today is the great Aaron Comess of the Spin Doctors. Uh, Aaron has a brand new record out called Sculptures that we're going to talk about here in just one second. And I want to uh, wish Aaron a very happy early 50th birthday. And he is celebrating uh, his 50th birthday uh, with a bash at the Blue Note in New York City on April 23rd. It's going to be a big show. So for any of our listeners up in the New York area, go to his birthday party at the Blue Note in New York on April 23rd. Please go check out his new record, Sculptures. It's fantastic. You'll hear us talk about that in just a second. So without any further hesitation, let's welcome Aaron Comess to the Drum Shuffle. Hey, good afternoon, Aaron. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? Man, I'm doing well. Hey, thanks so much for coming on the Drum Shuffle. We really do appreciate it. Well, happy to be here. Thank awesome. You. Thanks for having us. Well, we're, we're honored to have you here today. Um, Aaron, what I would like to do, uh, if you don't mind, kind of walk us back to the, to the very beginning. How did, uh, how, how did you become a drummer? Well... Let's see, around the age of five or six, I started taking classical piano lessons, and I did that for a while, and then around around nine, I just decided I wanted to play drums. I was, uh, you know, really into it, and I basically just asked my parents for lessons. I was like, you know, I really like to play drums. Can you guys get me some lessons? And I really got lucky. You know, they reached out to a music store. I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and there was a music store there called Brook Mays Music, and they really, they just called up the place and said, you know, our, our son wants to take drum lessons. And there was a guy named Jack Iden who was teaching drums there. And, uh, you know, I couldn't have been luckier to have hooked up with this guy. And so from the age of nine, I started playing. And my very first lesson was basically Jack. First, first thing he did was showed me how to hold the drumsticks. 
which is why I play traditional grip. That's the way he taught. <laughs> and, and from the very beginning, we just started in on rudiments. I think the very first day he showed me like the rough and the flam and the five-stroke roll. I remember he wrote down about four or five rudiments on this little piece of paper. And basically, for the first two or three years, I just played on a practice pad and eventually got a snare drum and just worked on rudiments, learned how to read music, and just did like, you know, rudimentary snare drum, um, you know, pieces. And it was really great. You know, it was really, I, I just can't thank this guy enough for getting me started that way. And uh, it's funny because I used to go in there every week and, and you know, beg him to let me get a drum set. You know, I'd be like, I'd even have my mom come in, you know, and talk to him after the lesson, you know. <laughs> like, hey, you know, he really wants to get a drum set. You know, what do you think? And, and Jack was just like, you know, I, I, you, you hate me now, but you'll love me later. You know, I really think it's, he's, he's going to be a lot better off if he just, we just stick to the snare drum and really get our hands together and get the reading together and get the fundamentals together. And, you know, in a couple of years, after he's been doing this for a couple of years, you get a drum set. And so even though I didn't like the idea, that's what I did. And uh, finally, around the age of 11, I got my first drum set. Cool. So, you know, I mean, so many guys, you know, they they um, they don't take your path. You know, they, they just go out and, and buy a drum set and, and start playing along to, you know, Beatles records or, or Zeppelin records or whatever, you know. So, yeah. um, but you brought up uh, you pointed out something, you know, anybody that's familiar with your playing uh, knows that you are a traditional grip player, which, you know, is is kind of odd and i think most people know you from your time in in spin doctors obviously uh you know i mean a huge band i mean you guys sold millions and millions of records um you know but you were kind of the um in terms of that time period the music that was coming out in the 90s you didn't see a whole lot of guys on mtv playing traditional grip you know, so did you grow up in the in the jazz tradition? I mean, were those your influences growing up or were you a rock and roll guy as well? I was both. I mean, like I said, the, really, the reason that I that I played traditional grip is just because Jack Iden showed me that way. And that's just what I always did. But as far as my background, you know, I once I once I did get a drum set, I, I, I found a teacher and I immediately started studying jazz. You know, I learned how to like with the reading, I was learning how to do big band interpretation and I was getting exposed to jazz. I was also always just as much into rock, but from an early age, I was kind of equally into music of uh, like, you know, I was totally into Zeppelin, of course, and the Beatles and the Who and the Stones and the ACDC and Sabbath and Van Halen and, you know, all these amazing bands that were around at that time, you know, and, uh, and but at the same time, I was discovering Miles Davis and John Coltrane and Charlie Parker, and I, was, I had teachers that were exposing me to that. And I was also lucky enough to have, you know, to play in a big band at school and a small group at school. So, you know, the jazz thing, I was really every every bit as much of a jazz drummer as I was a rock drummer, you know, when I was coming up through junior high and high school, and really to this day, you know. So it's just, a, it's always been kind of a, it's definitely, certainly jazz is a major influence on on my style and, um, you know, what, just what I love to, what I love to play and what I love to listen to. Sure. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, it's, uh, it, I, m personally, I love listening to jazz. I can't play it to save my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, it, it's just not my thing. 
Yeah, I hear you. I mean, it's like anything. It's like, you know, it's not easy, I mean, being able to bounce between different styles. And it's something you have to, you know, you, it's, like a, it's like learning a language. I mean, you know, it's, it's a lot of it is listening to, you know, spending a lot of time listening to the different styles of music and then, you know, understanding them and getting the right touch and realizing the touch is, you know, it's a different touch playing jazz than it is playing like, like loud rock. But the cool thing is, is if you study all these different styles and really get into it, you know, you can incorporate all these different things in different styles you're playing. So even though I'm very much the kind of person that likes to be authentic and learn things in an authentic way, I want to be able to play, if I'm playing like, let's say, a blues game. Like I grew up in Texas and I used to play a lot of blues games. And I really wanted to understand that style. And if I was going to play a shuffle, like down in Texas, I wanted to really know how to play a Texas shuffle. It's, it's more than just playing triplets. You know, it's a, there's a whole attitude to it and an authentic, if you want to be authentic with it, you have to study it and listen to it. And the same thing goes with jazz and, and same thing goes with rock. Um, I don't want to sound like a jazz when I'm playing rock. I don't want to sound like a rock when I'm playing jazz. But once you get to a certain point, it's really cool to start mixing all those elements and trying to find your own voice. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's always been about for me is, taking all my different influences with different styles of music and different players and trying to, you know, kind of make my own thing with it, you know? Sure. Absolutely. Well, you've, uh, you know, you've, you've done pretty well with it. Um, you know, we were talking before we went on the air. Um, you know, I think you, you are up over 200 album credits as a player is, I mean, is that right? Yeah. I mean, something like that. You know, I mean, I have a pretty, if you go on my website, there's a, you know, I have a partial discography up there. But, you know, I don't, you, you lose track. I mean, and it's, it's funny, it's funny. Somebody will say, like, oh my God, how did you play on 200 records? But, you know, the fact is, is I've been, I've, I'm 49 years old. You know, I've been playing professionally since I was really like 18, you know, and I moved to New York when I was 20. And, you know, even though the first 10, 90s, I mean, although I did play on a few records, it was mostly, that was most, that time was really, really just fully dedicated to the spin doctors. We were making all, we were making records and we were touring all the time. But since like the late nineties, you know, I started doing a lot of session work and a lot of sideman stuff. And, you know, you figure doing it, if you play on 10 records a year for 30 years, all of a sudden you got 300 records, you know, so yeah. it's, it, it sounds like a lot, but you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guy that's out there, you know, busy. I'm in New York. There's a lot of opportunity here. There's all kinds of people making records, you know, on, on a high level. And then just, just, just stuff that people are doing in home studios. I mean, that's kind of the beauty of the way things are now. There's, um, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to make a record than it used to be. You know, you don't necessarily have to. It used to be like you either had really rich parents that could, you could pay for expensive studio time or if you got a record deal and you could, you could go in the studio. But, you know, ever since like the late 90s when the home studio thing started happening, it really just open the doors for people to get really creative and be able to make, make music for, for much less money, you know, and get it out there. That's the positive side of it. The negative side of it is that, you know, from a, from a music industry point of view, from a financial point of view, it's definitely gotten very difficult for, for artists to get paid, you know, which is, which is a real problem. But, you know, you got to look at the bright side. I mean, from a creative point, from a creative point of view, I think that, you know, things are, things are really, really great. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's tons of great music 
everywhere now. I mean, it's it's almost, you know, ubiquitous that, you know, everybody has a record out and, and you know, you make a really good point. It's easier to get your stuff out there. Um, but, you know, I, I your words aren't lost on me that, you know, the artist comes last in the in the financial <laughs> standing yeah. of the well, business. This, it's just the way things are now. It's just. You know, let, let's face it, everybody expects to get everything for free now. I mean, with, with uh, just the way the Internet is and you know, the lack of uh, money that's rolling into the music industry, it's just become difficult, you know. And, um, you know, it, it, I feel very fortunate that, that I was around and the Spin Doctors were around at a time where the music industry was really booming. I mean, the 90s was probably one of the best times in the music business because you had... You know, for one, you had you had CDs had just been out. What CDs came out? What like in the late '80s or something? Mm-hmm. So CDs were you had you know record companies. People were making cassette CDs, vinyl. People were going back and buying catalog records. Everybody went back and bought like their favorite Zeppelin record or whatever on CD. You know, new bands were selling truckloads of records because you had MTV and and you know it was just really like a a time of a really good time. And there was a lot of money in the music industry. And, it, you know, it was also very, it was also, it's always been really hard. I mean, it was competitive and hard to get a record deal. And you hear stories about people getting screwed and all this, but when you compare it to now, I mean, they, those just seem like the, the good old days, you know, it's like <laughs> a number of people complaining about how, how f-ed up it was back then. But it's like, man, I mean, you know, we didn't know how good we had it, you know? And, and these days, you know, just because the fact that, People don't, people don't buy records. There's just the lack, the amount of money that's, that goes into the industry is so low. So it's, it's tough, you know, and I, I hope that I try to stay optimistic and hope that things, it's all about really changing the laws. So, so musicians and songwriters and artists get money, you know, with this whole streaming thing. It's just, it's just set up in such a poor way. It's set up great for the, the for the music lover. It's never been a better time because there's more music than ever. And you can get it for either really cheap or free. But, and the problem is the people that are making the music aren't, aren't seeing much. So it's a, it's an interesting time, you know, and, um, you know, uh, hopefully it'll, we'll figure it out and it'll, it'll change for the better. But the good news is, you know, there's so much great young talent and people just figure out a way to do it. You know, if you really, it's like, it's like it's always been, you know, if you if you really love what you're doing or you're passionate about what you do, you're going to do it. It's not a when nobody started playing, you know, or writing songs or playing an instrument to, to get paid. I mean, I know for me, it's always been about just being the best musician I can and creating really great music. And it's, you know, it's not about the money. I was lucky that I was in a situation or am in a situation where I actually get paid. But I mean, it's it's. uh Anytime you, anytime you do something for money, you're making a mistake. It's never, I find that, you know, follow your, you know, do what you want to do. Be creative. Don't listen to anybody else. Don't do what people tell you. Those are the things that usually end up doing the best anyway. Yeah. I mean, the spin doctors is a great example. We were, we did, we did exactly what we wanted to do. We didn't listen to anybody. We were self-contained. We just made the exact kind of music we want to make. Anytime the record company gave us any advice or tried to tell us we should be more like this or more like that, we just ignored them. And ultimately, we did really well because ultimately, people want to hear something fresh. You know, nobody wants to... You see people often make the mistake of copying, you know, other bands or copying other musicians that may be, you know, doing well at that moment. 
there's nothing wrong with being influenced by those people and, and taking things from them. That's a normal process. But when you see people, when you see musicians or, or bands or artists try to try to emulate what somebody who's popular is doing, it rarely works because you know a year later, what's popular now isn't popular anymore. You know, you have to you have to come up with something fresh and unique, and uh, and ultimately that's what turns people on. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, we live in an age today. Um, you know, I would point to to modern country music. You know, I mean, it seems very formulatic, and um, you know, it's just uh, I can't really tell the difference between a lot of the newer groups that are <laughs> that are showing up. You know, and and you're you're starting to see some of that change uh, in country music. It certainly happened in hard rock and heavy metal in the late '80s, early '90s. You know, when the when the bands out of Seattle, you know, when they hit the scene, everything changed almost overnight, really. You know, I mean, it was it was crazy. Um, and, you know, that was that was great for us because, our, you know, we put our record out. Pocket Full of Kryptonite actually came out a week before Nevermind, before Nirvana Nevermind. Came oh, out wow. A week before. <laughs> and um, and when that never when that Nirvana record came out, like you said, it really just instantaneously changed everything it just caught on it was fresh it, people related to it you know and and it just all of a sudden you know you realize there's all these people that like this style of music and uh and boom the industry you know it opened up the doors for so many bands and even though we're not we're not like a grunge band but we're a rock band and we're you know and we weren't we didn't necessarily fit into what was happening but then all of a sudden there was, you know, rock was popular again. And, and all of a sudden there was room for a band like the Spin Doctors to, to get on the radio and get on MTV. And it was, um, it was, a, it was pretty amazing. It was a really great time. And you're right. And that's all it takes is like, you know, things go through phases and then, and then one thing comes out and everything just, just shifts for a while, you know? And, uh, but it's always about being unique and being yourself, you know? I mean, it, it, you know, you can, you can, you know, and of course, after that, there's always going to be a million copycat bands, and there's always a few that do well, and it gets turns into a formula, and you know, but but that's not, you know, it's, it's I've just always felt that's a bad way to go. You know, you gotta just be you, man. You know, absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, I mean, we we've kind of broached the subject of spin doctors. Um, you know, here's my question, and you know, this is the first time you and I have ever talked. Um, loved, you know, all the stuff you guys did, but I've got to ask when you walked into the studio and you guys are getting ready to cut, um, you know, what would ultimately, I guess, be your, your biggest single two princes, you know, it opens with a drum break. Basically, did you have any idea when you came up with that, you know, what is it? A bar, two bars, a drum fill. Did you have any idea that it was going to be that huge? And and if you did know that, would it have been allowed? <laughs> <laughs> well, of course you don't know that. I mean, we were just going in the studio. We all we wanted to do was make a great record. We were, you know, we were like, we felt like we had a, a really good thing going. The band was tight because we had, we played. We used to play like 200, 250 shows a year. You know, we just played. So by the time we got in the studio. You know, we'd been a band three or four years and we'd played, we'd already played a thousand gigs. So we were, we were really had our sound together and our vibe was like, you know, we did a little bit of pre-production, but we really just wanted to go in and capture, capture the energy of what we were doing. And we felt like we had a really good batch of songs and, um, 
but you don't know it's going to be a hit. We weren't thinking, we honestly weren't thinking at all about having a hit. We were just thinking, we just want to put out a killer record. This is our first record. We want to make a great record. And, uh, so no, so the answer is no, I had no idea that song was going to be as big as it was. And I had no, I, I didn't really think about the drum fill. I mean, it's just a fill that I had, had been playing. I mean, it, you know, we song for a while and somewhere along the line, I came up with that fill and somehow it stuck and it just became like, you know, the intro, um, well, it's, you know, you're not. it's really cool. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's one of the, yeah, I mean, one of the biggest songs of the early 90s, you know, I mean, arguably, um, and, and it starts with a drum fill and, and, you know, you just don't get that a whole lot um, from that era. So I think it's super cool. Uh, <laughs> now, I appreciate it. No problem. Um, now, spin doctors are still active. You know, I mean, I, I was, yeah. you know, looking and, and you guys actually have some dates this year. Um, so I, you guys are still out there doing this stuff. Um, you know, is it still as much fun as it was back then? You know, it's different. I mean, we've been a band this fall. It's going to be 30 years since the band formed. Unreal. We've had a lot of, we, we've had a lot of periods throughout the years. Where we weren't active. Where we weren't doing stuff. And, and, you know, we've really kind of in the last 10 years gotten busy again and we've made a few records and we're having a really good, you know, the last couple of years have been great. There's a lot of a really great fan base out there. We get to go out and do great shows and it's a lot of fun. And in some ways I'm having more fun than ever because, you know, after being in the music business for so long and at this point I've played with so many different artists outside of the band that you just really, you really appreciate having your own band, how much, how great that is to be, you know, your own thing. And, and it's all four original members, you know, myself, Eric, Chris, and Mark. And although we've had our ups and downs, we're all, you know, we're like brothers, you know, so we get together and we have a ball, you know, we hang out, we always have great conversations backstage and we, we get up there and we, everybody, you know, the band sounds as good as ever. I mean, I think everybody has gotten better over the years and we don't fuck around, you know, we're not one of these bands that just goes out to make a buck and, and just kind of floats through the set. You know, we really, everybody, all four of us really put it out there and, and we're all, we're all four very serious musicians. Everybody's busy outside of the band as well. And so it's, it's a, it's a blast, you know, it's, I really, really appreciate it as much or more than ever at this point. Absolutely. Well, and you know, I would be remiss being a, you know, a Kentucky native, a proud Kentucky native, if I didn't ask about your work with, with Joan Osborne, you know, I know you, uh, you did some recordings with her and did some touring with Joan and, you know, she's from here in Kentucky. Um, and just, you know, what another talent. I mean, <laughs> you know, in terms of 90s music, I mean, you've played with with two of the the biggies, you know. Tell us a little bit about uh, some of your time with Joan. Well, Joan's great. I've known Joan for a long time because she was on the New York City circuit. This is part of the same scene as the Spin Doctors were back in the late 80s and early 90s. We used to all play the same clubs. You know, she'd come sit in with us. We'd sit in with her. There were some other bands like Blues Traveler on the scene and a whole bunch of bands. So I've known Joan for, for way back then. And and then, of course, you know, she put out her record Relish and had a big hit with that. And uh, I guess around 1999, I did some work with her. I produced some stuff for her in my studio for her second record. And one of the songs called Baby Love, you know, made it on that record. And then about 12 years ago, I, she asked me to play in her live band. Um, and uh, so I've been really, you know, 
pretty much her touring drummer for the last, you know, better part of the last 10 years. And she, now she doesn't always do, she does a lot of, you know, more stripped down shows these days. But I've done a whole bunch of tours with her and we, and you know, we, uh, we just did a nice run of shows behind this. She did a really great record that I played on recently that's called Songs of Bob Dylan. And we did some, some shows recently. And I've done like her last, I've done her last three studio records, you know, and, um, she's great. She's one of my favorite artists. I, I've, it's been amazing working with her. It's an ongoing thing. And, uh, you know, she's just so talented and got such a great voice and, the musicians in her band are all amazing. We're all really good friends, and it's it's been a really great experience, uh, you know, being associated with her for so long. Absolutely. Well, um, you know, we, you know, I'm a huge fan of hers as well, and uh, you know, she she did a project a few years back with uh, uh, Chris Gorman from the Black Crows, the the Trigger Hippie right. record. Trigger Hippie, yeah, yeah. Cool. And I mean, you know, I listen to that thing all the time. I just really dig that stuff. She's just so talented. So she's great, and she's always doing different stuff, and she continuously like. I got to hand it to her. I mean, you know, just since I've been with her in the last like 10 years, I mean, she's put out like four records, you know, she all, and we're already talking about making another one. Um, you know, I just got an email today about, about trying to find some, some dates are all available in the summer. So she just keeps going and keeps making great stuff and, and, uh, doing different things. And she's just, she's great. In fact, I'm doing a, uh, you know, I'm, I'm putting out this new record of my own. It's, it's out called Sculptures, and I'm about to turn 50, and I'm doing a big uh, record release 50th birthday bash at the Blue Note here in New York City on April 23rd. Awesome. And Joan, and I'm gonna have a couple guests. Joan, Joan's gonna be one of my guests. So she's gonna come up and and do some songs with us that night. So you know, she's just great. I mean, I'm really honored to have her there. And, I can't say enough good stuff about John. No, that's fantastic. Well, you mentioned sculptures, um, and you know, I, I want to say thank you uh, for uh, allowing me to to listen to the advanced copy of it. And you know, by the time we go to air with this episode of the Drum Shuffle, the record will be out. Um, it's some really cool stuff, um, and, and I don't want to do a disservice, but. Tell us a little bit about it, and and it's my understanding that you know one of your partners in crime actually invented an instrument <laughs> to, to play on this record. So so you know I, I'm not making this up, kids. Tell us a little bit about that, Aaron. Sure. Okay, so I just made this new record. I've been kind of working on it off and on for the last year or so, and I I didn't have any pressure to finish it. I really just wanted to take my time and. I did a lot of experimenting. I recorded way more stuff than I used on the record and, and kind of, I like to do more than I need and then kind of figure out how it all shapes together and, and uh, pick what works, which is what I did. But so a lot of the record is, there's, there's a few, there's a couple of like short kind of pieces on the record that are based around me on drums and, and Leon Grumbaum, who plays an instrument that he invented called the Sam Chilean. You can look it up. If you Google Sam Chilean, it'll, it'll come up. And it's basically like a MIDI sort of, I mean, it basically is kind of like a weird synthesizer type instrument. He gets all kinds of crazy sounds and microtones and all kinds of weird stuff. But he basically wrote the hardware for it and, and he plays it with like, if you look at it, it looks like a, basically like a, like a computer keyboard. And he has this language that he, it's just crazy. I mean, he plays, you know, he looks like he's sitting there typing on a keyboard. <laughs> it's, it's really bizarre. <laughs> But he's just amazing. He's so creative, and I just loved. Uh, we had worked together 
on another in another band a while ago called the New York Electric Piano, which is a group I'm associated with, and um, and I started doing some gigs with a, a group that I put together sometimes called the Air Conditioned Gypsies, which is kind of like a, a collective of musicians around here that I'll call and we, we'll do these gigs and and uh, and Leon, I, I always use Leon. He's the one guy that I always use on the gig. And we just really vibed, and I just loved what he was doing, and I really wanted to make him an integral part of this new record. And uh, it's just, I'm, I'm really pleased with it. It's, a, it's different from my other records that I've made on my own, and uh, it's pretty cool. I'm psyched about it. Well, you know, and the, the thing that really grabbed my attention with it was just the, the sonic sculpture uh, of it, you know, pun intended there. Um, <laughs> but, you know, your drum sound is very unique, I would say. Um, and it's, it's just really cool. You know, it's, Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I really, uh, really liked it. And, uh, you know, before we got on the phone today, I was really digging on the track, uh, called the beast really, yeah, you know, yeah. digging that. And, um, you know, so it's, I, I, is it fair for me to say it's a little bit of a departure from kind of your normal thing? Well, it's definitely a departure from, uh, my, my, my previous records and uh you know it's just kind of like i look i'm always trying to evolve as a musician and there's so much great stuff out there and you know we're i, I think the, the cool thing about being a little bit older now is i've got all this experience behind me and and all the influence of all my the people that are older than me that were always my like influences growing up like bonham and you know bernard purdy and steve gadd and elvin jones and tony williams and you know, the list goes on and on and then you get to the point where, you know, your, your own peers start to influence you. And then, and then you get, you get old enough and all of a sudden there's all these badass younger guys that, and there's all these new things coming up and the influence of electronic music and hip hop and, you know, drum machines. There's so, there's just so much out there that has, that affects what we do that we hear. And so, you know, for me, it's like, you don't want to. You don't want to just keep doing the same thing over and over. And I've always, I've always been the type of musician that keeps my ears open and and really enjoys listening to lots of things and and trying to figure out what I like and what I don't like and and help and try to make it my own. So I would say this record definitely had a lot of those newer influences, a little more of electronica influence and some hip hop and just just some different sort of rhythmical things, you know. And uh, but you know, I, I, you try to you try to make it your own thing and. And as far as sonically, you know, I, I, I have my own recording studio and I have, I share it with a great engineer and Roman Clune. So we have a really good working relationship. And, you know, I like to try to, at least on, on this project, I, I, I really made a point to try to make the drum sounds different from track to track. And I wanted to make every, every piece have its own sort of personality, you know, blend together, but they'd have its own personality. And obviously the musicians I use, you know, had a big effect. Leon, you know, has such a unique, cool, creative, modern sound. That's a huge influence on the sound of this record. And, uh, and the other guys, um, great guitar player named Gray McMurray, who's just fabulous, very atmospheric, you know, really added a lot. And, uh, a great piano player named Ollie Rockberger, who's I've played with a lot here in New York, who moved back to London, but he was in town. So we had, I, I built a session around him. And then also John Davis plays on some of it. He's an amazing bass player. He, and one of his main gigs is John Mayer. I'm sorry, not John Mayer, uh, Jojo Mayer. Jojo's nerve band that um, John's in. And, you know, we got to play a little bit 
Um, and I've really clicked with John. So, you know, I, you got to listen. I mean, a lot of it is like coming up with a concept and coming up with material and then choosing musicians that are, you think are going to help you, you know, get your vision heard, you know, and, um, a lot, that's a lot of, a lot of being a band leader and making your own records is, is, uh, it's just, you have to look at all these different elements to try to try to find where the sound is that you're, you have in your head and, and, you know, so I can't thank these guys enough for their contributions on this record. Well, it's it's a really good record, uh, you know, and I've I've thoroughly enjoyed it this week. I've uh, been listening to it quite a bit. So it's it's oh, cool. Thanks, yeah. man. Oh, no problem. It's it's uh, it, it really is a good record. So uh, for, for everybody listening, uh, I'm sure they can find it at your website uh, and, you know, uh, iTunes and all the all the different various outlets. So everybody yeah. check out Aaron's new record. It's really good. Uh, it's good stuff. Um. So, you know, are you going to hit the road with that project at all? Are you doing some shows around the, the city up there? Or what are the plans, you know, once the record hits the street? I mean, you know, I, I play pretty regularly with my own band. I usually play about once a month in New York City. We're, we're actually playing Monday night, which has probably already happened by the time anybody's hearing this. And then I'm playing again at the Blue Note April 23rd. And I, you know, I, I tend to play, you know, fairly regularly in New York with, with my band. And it's some, and I have, I have kind of a, a steady band that I did most of my other records with that I do most of my live shows with, which is a great band with, uh, Teddy Kumpel on guitar, Richard Hammond on bass, and Leon on Sam Chilean. And we have different guests come and go. So to answer your question, I, you know, I'm not going to go on the road. I do do some shows out of town with this, with this band. But, you know, the fact is, is like, I'm, I'm so busy with, with other groups that take me out of town, like Spin Doctors. And I, I work with a German artist. I'm going over there for a month in August and, and Joan and other people that it's just hard to find the time to, uh, I mean, I'd love, I would really love to, to do a tour with my own group at some point. I just haven't been able to find the time to do it, but it's definitely, uh, something I'd like to, I'd really like to do more of that. I just, I really just have not done that up to this point. Sure. Well, uh, we will definitely be looking forward to the time when uh, when that happens. Uh, I I think it would go over well. So (laughs) let me let me put the put the bug in your ear now, you know, uh, (laughs) bring it down south. (laughs) Hard to find the time for everything, you know. Absolutely. Well, Yeah, I I do indeed. And, you know, you've stayed really, really busy. And, you know, here's a question that that, you know, um, that I've always been curious about. You know, when I was growing up, everybody said, well, if you want to play music for a living, you've got to go to one of three places, L.A., New York or Nashville. Right. So you're in New York City and I know that you stay as busy as you want to. But tell our listeners a little bit about how the scene is, because, I mean, you know, look, there is just a ton of monster players up there in New York. I mean, you know, Sean Pelton immediately comes to mind, Um, you know, just tons of guys. How competitive is it uh, up there? I mean, you know, if, if Jamie Eads moved to New York City tomorrow, what are the chances of my phone ringing over over Sean Pelton's or Aaron Comess's, right? I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, listen, man, there's always room for some, for good. There's, I think any of these cities, I mean, I'll talk about New York. Cause I live here, but 
there's always room for more and there's always more people coming in every day. So it's like, I mean, that's one of the reasons I moved to New York in the first place, besides the fact that, like you said, you know, there's kind of the big three cities for a career musician. And I, I never really considered Nashville. This is what, you know, I moved, it was like we're going back like 30 years when I was making the decision to move somewhere from Dallas. So for me, it was, it was either going to be New York or LA. And I made the decision to come to New York. And, you know, the, the, for, for two reasons. One, for the career opportunity. And two, because there's just so many great players. And so many of my heroes were here at the time. And uh, so for me, being here now, you know, it's, I have the same feeling that I did then. And, I, and, it's, and a lot of it comes from, like you said, like the, the, the young badass that comes to town. It's like, you got to stay on your toes, man. I don't care who you are. <laughs> I don't care how much you're playing. You know, you got to... So I get, I just feel like I'm getting my ass kicked constantly by all these guys. <laughs> and it put, it keeps me, you know, to, I want to keep growing. I want to keep getting better. I want to listen to what these guys are doing and incorporate it in my own plan. And, and that's the beauty of a place like this. But, but yeah, there's always room. I, I would encourage anybody who's serious and, you know, New York's a great place. You know, there's a lot of opportunity here. Um, tons of talent, tons of great music make, you know, being made. And, uh, you know, I, I love it. You know, I absolutely love it. Well, I mean, it's it, obviously just a cool scene, but, I, you know, you've been there for quite a number of years now, and I'm sure that, that you've noticed all the changes that have happened up there. You know, I, I'm a rock and roll guy, and, you know, CBGB's closed down, for example, you know. Um, I, tell us a little bit about how the music scene in New York has changed over the years. I mean, are there young spin doctors type bands, you know, blowing up every day now, or is it, um, is it different now? I guess is what I'm asking. Not really. I mean, I, you know, it's funny. I hear people all the time. It's usually older people like my age getting bitter and saying, Oh, you know, it used to be so great back then. You know, the, those were the good old days, but you know, I don't think of it like that. I mean, yeah, things were different then, you know, there was a lot more, uh, you know, I always hear stories. I mean, I moved here in '88, and I hear about how how great the studio scene was, like in the '70s and '80s, like you know when Steve Gadd was around. And I, I people are always talking about that. And then I moved here, and you know, the studio scene was still happening, and there were lots of club gigs and lots of bands, and the rec and there were lots of bands getting signed, you know. And but I, you know, to me, it's just like it's always changed. And if you go, if you study, you know, New York City music scene going way back to the to the Jazz, to the classic jazz period. I mean, it's just, you know, things change. Sure. And I think you just got to move with the changes and try to try to figure out how to navigate that. And rather than getting bitter and saying, oh, it used to be so great, you got to figure out how to make it work now. You know, and I see people, like I said, there's, there's, a, there's tons of great bands and great artists in New York City that are, that are playing and have big followings and do well. And, 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 you know, people make, and you see people make a living, you know, and also the same thing goes for, for just freelance, you know, musicians. I mean, there is still a lot of, there's a ton of studio work here. It's just, you don't, what you don't get is as much of the big budget records that you used to get, you know, back then. But like I said, there's a ton of studios. I mean, I have my own studio. We're making records there all the time. And there's a, there's a whole bunch of studios, you know, like out in Brooklyn where I live. And, um, and there's tons of bands making records and, you know, they, you know, if somebody hires you for a session, you get paid, you know? So it's just like, it's just a different, it's just different. But, but, uh, and, and the one thing that 
is never going to change is the cream rises to the top. You know, it's like, you got to be really good, man. There's no, there's no, uh, shortcut. You know, people think I'm going to move to New York and I'm going to like, you know, make it, whatever that means. <laughs> okay, cool. But man, you got to, don't come here until you got your shit together. Or, or if you want to come here to get your shit together, that's cool too. But like, you know, bottom line is there's no shortcut. I mean, you got to work hard, man. You got to practice, 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 take lessons, listen to music, keep an open mind. You know, I mean, so that, that, I mean, that's the, that's the thing is like, you know, you look at any of the guys that are doing really well. Well, that's, there's, a, there's a couple of reasons why they're doing really well. For one, they can play really well, you know, and they probably have their own unique thing that they're offering. You know, we don't need 10 Aaron Comuses or 10 Sean Peltons or 10 Mark Julianas or whoever you want. You know, you got one's enough, right? And <laughs> But there's, all, there's always room for somebody else that's doing something unique because if you're doing something unique, people are going to want that, you know? And, Absolutely. Uh, so... But, you know, this is, I think people sometimes have a misconception that they can skip all the work and just go to the, go to the part where they, you know, are doing really well. But, you know, it's not, it never works that way. You know, you gotta, you can't skip the, skip the work, you know? Absolutely. And that never stops. I mean, I just go, I mean, I just practice for two hours today. You know, I, I try to practice every day I can, you know, and I'm constantly playing and doing gigs and you gotta, you know, I still take lessons and, you know, it's just, and that's one of the things, like, I don't know if I would have the same attitude I have now if I still live in Dallas, but I'm up here in New York and I, I'm trying to keep up with all these young badasses that are moving into town every day. So <laughs> I like that. I like that challenge. It keeps me, keeps me fresh, you know? Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, you've just had a prolific output over the years and, you know, I, you know, I would encourage everybody to go to your website, which is AaronComess.com. Just look at the discography, <laughs> boys and girls. It's uh, it's pretty incredible. Um, and, and, you know, we hope you keep putting out records for for a lot of years um, uh, in the future. Um, Aaron, one of the things that we do with everybody, and, and I want to be respectful of your time, uh, one of the things that we do with all of our guests on the show is, is we ask for your best piece of advice, um, you know, for, for drummers, for other musicians, and it can touch on anything you want it to, but give us a good piece of advice that we can use in our day-to-day -day lives as musicians. Well, I'd say there's a couple of things that I would mention, and I already kind of touched on the the work ethic. I mean, there's no shortcut to this. And that goes for anything you're doing in life. You know, whatever it is, if it's something you really want to be great at, you have to work really hard at it. You have to study. You have to put in the hours, you know. There's no way around it. Even if you're just a natural. I mean, some people would just have a gift and, you know, can do things really easy. Other people, it takes a little harder of a time. But the fact is, is even the greatest people with the greatest talent, they get really great by putting in that work. And the other thing is to really keep an open mind, you know, don't go down the path of being bitter. Don't go down the path of, of, uh, you know, putting down other people. And, uh, even if you don't like what somebody's doing, you know, chances are, especially if they're doing well, there's a reason for it, you know, and it may not be your thing, but you can still learn something from it. So I always try to encourage people to keep a really open mind and open ears, um, with, with this stuff, you know, and, uh, and, you know, and, and also like just from like a professional standpoint, you know, I would say it's really important to, you know, be respectful, be respectful to the people you're working with, be on time, 
get back to people on time, you know, don't complain. You don't want to be the guy that shows up in the studio or shows up on the gig and it's just bitching and moaning or making things difficult because, you know, those, those guys won't get called back, you know, and there's a lot of things that, that make people want to, want to work with you. And, you know, first and foremost, most because you really offer something unique and special with your instrument, but also a lot of it is like that you're, you're, you're easy to be around and you make the, the room better. You know, you want to be a positive force when you're in a room, especially when you're, you know, in close quarters like musicians are. I mean, we're stuck in vans and buses and planes and studios and rehearsal rooms and backstages. And there's nothing worse than having, you know, a, you know, just somebody complain all the time or, or uh, make things difficult. So I think that's a really important, important thing to, uh, to, to really think about as well. Yeah, that's great advice. Great advice. You know, it's the guys that are easiest to get along with uh, are the guys that stay busy. <laughs> I mean, it's just yeah, a, it's yeah. just and you a, don't have to listen. I mean, you don't have to fit. I mean, you got to be yourself. You don't you shouldn't don't try to. I, I've seen this mistake, too, like people trying to fit in so much that it's not genuine. You know, just be you. Don't try to come here and be somebody else. Don't feel like you know, uh, the only way I'm going to get this gig is if I'm like partying with these guys. Like, you know, you don't have to get, you don't have to like, if that's not your thing, you know, don't, don't do it. I've seen that happen. Like, Oh, I want to be in this band. So I better like do drugs like they do, but that's not cool. Don't, don't do that. You know, like no <laughs> yeah. gig is worth, no no gig is worth being unhealthy, you know? So, I mean, just make, just make good decisions and make decisions for yourself. You know, the other thing, the other last thing I want to say about that is like, think about what it is you want to do. You know, like it's important to make the right choices. I would say like, I come from a school of being prepared. When I was younger, I generally had, I generally had a lot of different interests and a lot of different styles. And I really wanted to be a lot of different guys. I wanted to be a jazz guy. I wanted to be a guy in a rock band. I wanted to be a studio guy. But you can't always do all those things all the time. And I, I made a decision after I had been to town for a while and I got into spin doctors, I made a decision. I'm, I'm going to give this band like a year or two. I think this is going to be, this seems to be a good opportunity for me. It's a, you know, most on it, you know, it's, it's a very creative situation for me. And, and, uh, I made a decision to give that a shot. If had that not worked out, I would have moved on to something else, but you know, think about what you're doing and make your decisions based on creativity. Don't make them based on money. Because usually if you, if you just, if you're just trying to make money, you're going to wake up 10, 15 years down the line and maybe you paid the bills, but you didn't do it. You didn't, you might not be satisfied. And obviously that's a reality. We all have to pay our bills and sometimes you got to take gigs that you might not want to do that might not be the most creative, but be careful about getting sucked into that to the point where it takes away from what you really started playing, you know, your instrument for, you know, so. I think making these, just putting in the, putting in the work and making the right decisions as you move along in your life are really, really important. Absolutely. That's just absolutely fantastic advice. Uh, and and we appreciate it so much. Um, Aaron, any, any final thoughts that you'd like to share with, uh, with the, the drum shuffle crowd? You know, listen, man, just thanks. Thanks for listening. Anybody that sat here and listened to this thing, I appreciate you taking the time to, listen to us talk and, uh, you know, just practice, 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 yeah. <laughs> get off, you know, go home and, and, uh, and practice, man. And, and play with people. You know, it's gotta be, a, it's gotta be a good combination of doing the work by yourself and then, 
and then forgetting about what you did and going making and making music. Ultimately, it's about making music. So you know, I'm a big fan of practicing. I like to work on things that I'm not good at. I like to. I always say if you if you sound good when you're practicing, you're probably not really getting anything done. You know, so frustration <laughs> is a good thing when you're practicing. But when you get on the bandstand or in the studio, or you're making music. Don't think about what you practice. That's that's like it's like muscle memory. You do that so when you when you get on your instrument in a, in a musical situation, you can make music comfortably. But you don't want to go in there and be practicing, be playing the things that you've been practicing. That's not what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, God knows uh, you're making a lot of music. You know, I, I jokingly uh, said that if I had you on every time you appeared as a drummer in liner notes, we would have you on every week. So, <laughs> so uh, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really do appreciate it. Open invitation. Anytime you want to come back and talk with us, we would absolutely love to have you. Uh, everybody, go check out Sculptures by Aaron Co. Uh, you can find it on his website, AaronComess.com. Aaron, again, thanks so much, and we'll see you out there real quick. Hey, man, great talking to you. Thanks so much. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to another episode of the Drum Shuffle. This has been episode number 10. I want to thank Aaron again for his time and coming on and talking about his record and his career. We really appreciated having him on the show today. Uh, as always, I'm going to ask a favor from each of you. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button to whatever service you're using to listen in today. Also, leave us a rating or review on whatever platform you're using. It it helps us tremendously. Keep your emails coming to the Drum Shuffle Podcast at gmail.com. Our web address is thedrumshuffle.com, and you can find me at jamieeds.com. So until next time, may your heads stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers. Cheers.